0: Thanks, Jason, and the musicians for leading us. Now, no PowerPoint this morning, because normally I have a PowerPoint ready, and I normally email it in, and I forgot to do that. Uh, and normally I bring it on a memory stick, in case I forgot to email it in, but I forgot to bring the memory stick. And in fact, I don't even think I put it on the memory stick. Um, I, I would like to say that it's, it's, it's uh, you know, working with iron is beginning to wear off on of me, but actually I think it's just old age, creeping in, it's only a few bullet points anyway we'll survive very well without it I don't know what you think of the new year, Uh, to be honest for me, new year's not a big deal I've never been a big new year celebrator, just another day Uh, I do like to watch Jules Holland, I like to watch the Hootenani on the television maybe you'd like to see it and if you've never done this and you need to do it go out to your front door at midnight and open the door and listen and you hear all the horns down in Belfast Harbour, all the ships doing their horns they do it right around the world at midnight if you haven't done that then do it then go to bed, That's that, another, another day just another, another day uh, having been a teacher for a, a lot of years the new year really, I always think of new year as being September when the new term starts or maybe you're in business, uh, in finance or accounts or something, and the new year starts maybe in April when the new financial year starts. So in a way, the 31st of, uh, of December into January is just, just another day. But it is a time when people tend to take stock. We, we tend to look at our lives and maybe reflect back and, and see what's happened in the year before and look to the year ahead, and people make resolutions of how they're going to be different or what's going to change in, in the year to come. And it is good to stop and reflect as Christians as we come to to New Year it'll happen in the middle of the weekend uh, we'll maybe see one another before then but just to think uh, of what the new year might hold and and what are our challenges in that year to come I just want to share a few thoughts from Hebrews this morning nothing particularly new Uh, we've been here before just as we've been at the start of a new year before but a few thoughts uh, from this book which is the whole letter of Hebrews is is a a letter of encouragement right at at the end of of the letter the writer, we don't know who wrote it, says brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation it's a a letter of of challenge of encouragement Uh, and if you have your Bibles there if you want to open them we're going to look at a few verses from Hebrews chapter 10 and then a few verses from Hebrews chapter 12 this morning as we read God's word together. So we're in Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to read from verse 19 down to verse 25. This is God's word from Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold on swervingly to the hope we we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And then if you want to turn over one page to Hebrews chapter 12, we'll just read the first three verses. In between, uh, the writer gives a whole list of all the the heroes of the Old Testament. And then, uh, reflecting on them, he says this is chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's pray together as we turn to God's word. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it speaks into every situation, into every aspect of our lives. And we ask that as we consider it now, uh, you'll speak to us again and, and challenge us and teach us and give us uh, ears to hear and wills to obey. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the author gives us seven encouragements, really. So we've got seven points. We'll not be very long. Don't panic. Just very briefly to look look at these uh, this morning. Uh, As he speaks to believers in the first century, God speaks to us today uh, in in the 21st century. He says, first of all there, uh, and we're back to chapter 10, verse 22, let us draw near to God. Let us draw near to God. And he begins the sentence in verse 19 with the word, therefore. Therefore, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, by the blood of Jesus. And we've just celebrated that, we've just remembered that as we took communion, that we can enter God's presence because of Jesus' blood shed for us. Remember, this letter was written primarily to Jewish believers, believers who come from a Jewish background. They were used to God being very distant. Uh, God is holy, uh, and he lives in unapproachable light, uh, as Paul writes to Timothy. But, But he is a God whom we can now approach we have to be reverent, of course, but we can approach Him because Jesus' blood has opened the way for us to, to approach Him, and so we can we we can draw near to Him without fear. And Paul, sorry, the writer says we can draw near in full assurance of faith because our hearts have been cleansed, our consciences have been cleared, and our bodies have been washed. We don't deserve to be able to come into God's presence; not not one of us does. But the writer says uh, because we have that privilege. Let's, let's do it, let's draw near to God with sincere hearts you probably know the word sincere literally in Latin means uh, without wax and when sculptors were making a sculpture and they, they, made it, they found a wee flaw in it they'd fill it very carefully with white wax so it, at a glance you, you wouldn't even see the imperfection, but, but it was there so Paul says uh, with, with no imperfections, with complete sincerity of heart, and no pretense, come before God you know, Isaiah, we read from Isaiah earlier uh, God spoke through him to the people in the Old Testament said these people worship me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. People were going through through the motions and we, we can do that too we can go through the motions, we can come along to church we can do all the things we normally do but, but, but God's word says here draw, draw near let's draw near to God sincerely not, not just coming along to church that's a good thing to do but drawing near to God as we do that taking time to worship him together taking time to worship him and, and to, to read God's word and to pray on our own, individually and corporately. Um, maybe come along to the times of prayer during the week. Come along Wednesday night. Come along on Thursday. We can always make time for things we want to make time for, for, for leisure, for, for our work we have to sometimes, for, for family, for all those things. Let, let's make time for God. Let's draw near to God. And this, then secondly, verse 23, let us hold on swervingly to the hope we profess. Let's hold unswervingly to the hope we, we profess. The author reminds us here of the certain hope that we have in Christ. We, our hope is absolutely certain. We know that uh, all God's word uh, is true. We see Old Testament uh, facts written and, and prophecies written hundreds and hundreds of years before they actually came to pass. And we can say, yes, God's word is, is true. So we can say, let, let, let's, let's hold to that. Let's hold unswervingly to it. Um, all of these promises have been fulfilled All the promises about Christmas have been fulfilled. All the promises about Good Friday have been fulfilled. And so the author here says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. And that's the only place that word is used in the whole of the New Testament. And it it literally has the the idea of a post being hit into the ground, uh, firmly fixed, that won't shake in in a storm. Uh, It won't won't shake, it won't be blown over, it won't be blown uh, from the vertical. It's absolutely fixed. Um, Let us hold firmly to those, unswervingly to the hope that we profess. Uh, Some of you were in the BB. Some of you have have, have boys maybe who are in the BB. I know some dropped them down to the BB at at Ballyhackamore there. And the BB song, or hymn is rather, Will Your Anchor Hold in the Storms of Life? And the chorus says, We have an anchor that keeps the soul steadfast and sure, though the billows roll. Uh, We need to hold firmly to that faith we have because we live in a world where many criticise Many despise our faith, or indeed any, any faith. Uh, you probably will have read or heard on the TV or news over Christmas. There are always people complaining about why there's so much religion on, why there's so many carol services. Uh, our, our faith is always under attack. And next year, we don't know what we'll have to face. None of us knows what challenges will come. There may be some things we know are coming up. There are lots of things we don't know. Uh, challenges in our health, our family, our finance, our work, Whatever. And whether we face challenges from outside or whether they're, they're, they're personal things w- within us, our hope is secure. Our future is secure. And we've got to hold unswervingly to that. Even when, when there's criticism, even when Satan would, would make us doubt, we hold unswervingly to that. He who has promised is faithful. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who has promised is is faithful with god 's help we 've got to hold firmly to that hope whatever whatever may come in, in the next year. we hold firmly to that, that hope which is ours in Jesus and then thirdly verse twenty four let us uh, consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, so let us spur one another on to love and good deeds, encouraging one another to put our faith into practice. And not just to come together on a Sunday to worship, but to really go out and live out our faith, showing, showing love for, for one another, showing love for one another in, in God's uh, community, showing love for people that we meet in practical ways, people in your street, people in your work, people who, like us, don't deserve much to be loved. Uh, none of us deserves God's love. There are lots of people out there who... If we look at it humanly we say they don't deserve my love, they don't deserve the help that I would give them. Maybe that awkward person in your work or that awkward person in your street or that you know but then none of us deserve God's love and so God's word says let's encourage one another to show love and good deeds it sometimes it doesn't come naturally to us but we need to encourage one another looking for practical ways to show God's love in the community just the way that God loved us when we were very far from lovable uh, so we can encourage one another to show love, to show love in practical ways. And verse 25, let us uh, encourage one another. Paul, uh, I keep saying Paul because Paul wrote so much in the New Testament. The, the author, whom we don't know, it might be Paul, but we don't, we don't know that. Uh, he says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. In other words, as time passes uh, and the world seems to get worse and worse, let us uh, encourage one another. And we do that partly by meeting together. It's good to come together to meet. Come together on a Sunday. Come along on Wednesday night. Meet together encourage one another. Go to a home group. Uh, it's good to be with other, other believers. As you can maybe going into work or out to college or wherever where there are a few believers, it's good to come together to be encouraged, to think that, you know, there, there are actually a lot of, a lot of us here. Um, the world's becoming more hostile. Uh, and and more godless. Scripture tells us that. When Paul was writing to Timothy uh, here's here's what Paul wrote to Timothy coming towards the end of of Paul's life Um, he says but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days people will be lovers of themselves lovers of money, boastful proud, abusive disobedient to their parents, ungrateful unholy, without love, unforgiving slanderous, without self-control brutal, not lovers of the good treacherous, rash, conceited lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That sounds a pretty horrendous description of our world but if we're honest, and and that's not to say our world's always got all the time, but we can see all of those characteristics in our world. We can often see them in our own lives, if we're honest. And as the world becomes more and more godless, we need more and more encouragement to hold fast to that faith uh, that we have. And brothers and sisters in, in many other countries need that even more, who are really up against it, really up against it, simply because they're Christians. Maybe really good, decent, upright citizens, but the fact that they're followers of Jesus means that they come under great, great pressure. The Christian life is often pictured in Scripture as a race. Uh, and it's a long race, not a sprint, and we can all feel tired and, and discouraged. There's times when we, we all need a, a, bit of, a bit of help. We all need a bit of encouragement from one another, and we're, we're not competing. We just have to finish the race. It's not a competition to see who can get there first. We're merely trying uh, to finish. If you've run a marathon, a lot of people run a marathon. I'm not talking about people competing, in, you know, real athletes competing to win marathons, but a lot of people run a marathon as a, a challenge, something to do, and it's good to run with someone else. To, to encourage that person, at times you feel tired and the person you're running with will encourage you and somebody vice versa, you, you, you need that bit of encouragement the way of our society is criticism uh, it, it's competition it's fault finding, if you watch the, any of The Apprentice at all, you see it. they all work together as a team and do, do whatever they do and then the, the team loses and then they're in the boardroom absolutely tearing strips off one another, uh, because when push comes to shove, uh, it's me first and that's the way our, our world is uh, and we need to be the opposite. We need to encourage one another. We need to strengthen one another's faith. Uh, John Wesley said, the Bible knows nothing of solitary religion. It's nothing about trying to go on your own. It's working with other people. Uh, many of the, the non-conformist churches uh, used to have a, a covenant, which when you became a member of the church, you signed to a covenant, and you signed this, uh, you said, we promise uh, to watch over one another in love to watch over one another, to really be be encouraging uh, one another in in love. And that's the central theme of all Paul's letters. Uh, He he very often says, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. In a world where uh, the tendency is to knock people down, the tendency is to be be competing to get to the top. We need to be encouraging uh, one another. Then flick on over to to chapter 12. There are seven of these uh, little phrases. They all begin, let us, let us, the whole way through these couple of chapters here. Um the writer says, uh verse one of chapter twelve, let us throw off everything that hinders and the cloud that's so uh, sorry, and the beg your pardon, let us throw everything that sin let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily in- entangles. Um, he says, Throw off hindrances, things that restrict us. Things that prevent us living as we ought. Back back to the race analogy. If you imagine, maybe some of you have been there warming up for a cross-country race on a really cold winter's day and you've got all your warm gear on, your tracksuit or whatever, your warm-up gear. When it comes to the start of the race, you've got to take that off. I might be tempting to keep it on, but it will hinder you. You'll never compete well. Or you imagine a rugby or a football match with the substitutes where there's big, long padded, coats to keep them warm while they're wearing. Imagine one of them saying, well, it looks really cold out there. I can see everyone's breath. I'll just keep this on when I go out. It'd be ridiculous because it'd be hindered. You, you couldn't play properly. Um, you've got to look at those things that hinder and remove them. And for an athlete, it's not just clothing. Athletes look at their whole lifestyle. They look at their diet. They look at their sleep. They, they look at anything that would hinder their performance and, and they try to do something about it. They try to get rid of anything that would make them underperform. And we need to look at our lives and look at those things that would hinder us as Christians. Not things that are wrong, but just things that are going to be a hindrance. Uh, it might be too much time spent on, on, on social media or watching television or or, or, or even at our work or, or whatever. Maybe we need to look at our priorities. Maybe we say, are there things that are hindering me? And then... We have to look even more seriously at the sin, sin that so easily entangles. Hindrances are not necessarily wrong, but they, they, they slow us down, they, they affect us. Whereas sin will entangle us, sin will really trip us up. Not just harmless things that we need to keep an eye on, but things that in your life and my life that we, we can honestly say, that, that, that has to go. I, I know that is wrong and, and that needs to go because it's going to entangle me, it's going to spoil uh, my, my Christian life. Uh, just as drugs, for example, have no place in an athletics race, they're not just like, keeping your tracks on, they're absolutely forbidden. Uh, the Russians are in trouble again now for, for doping, and, and, and their, their sports people are in trouble because they've cons- consistently been, been doping and breaking the rules. And Paul says athletes must obey the rules. That's what Paul says again, right into Timothy, giving all these instructions to young Timothy. He said, if, you, if you're going to run a race, you've got to follow the rules and the regulations. And so he said, right into the Colossians, put to death, therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Things that you know are wrong, get, get rid of them because they'll entangle you. We can't run the Christian race as we, we face another year. We can't run the Christian race if we have things that hinder us or if we indulge sin that will, will tangle us up and ensnare us. Uh, We've got to get rid of those things. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And then let us, the opposite of that, let us run with perseverance. The end of verse 1 of chapter 12. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And there's another therefore at the start of chapter 12. Uh, And when there's a therefore, it refers back obviously to what has gone before. And it looks at all these heroes of the Old Testament, Abraham and Isaac and, and Moses, and all of these people who lived out their faith And the author says, look at those people and and, and see what they went through and see what they did and therefore run with perseverance. Thinking of what they have done, run with perseverance. Perseverance means means endurance. It's what's needed in a long race, needed in a marathon, needed in in a long event of some sort. And he says, run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The trouble is we don't know what the race race that is marked out individually for us is. We don't know what this year will bring. Um, Athletes will choose their event. I used to always do middle distance uh, running. I can imagine Colin Thompson would have done uh, the shot or the discus or something that needed a bit of strength. You you choose the race that's appropriate. But in the Christian race, we we don't have a choice. There's a course set out for us. We don't know. We don't know what next year will bring. Uh, we don't know what may may come our way Uh, we may be running along nice and smoothly and then suddenly we come to the the water jump like in the steeplechase and we stumble over something there may be something that comes that we hadn't uh, anticipated it's not a sprint but we don't know the exact course we don't know exactly what faces us in this year so we have to run with perseverance with endurance we live in a very instantaneous world. We like things to happen immediately. Think how frustrated you get when your internet, for some reason, slows down just when you're wanting to find out something or you want to do something. And we expect things to happen straight away. But the writer says we've got to run with endurance because it's, it's a long race. Here's another year coming, and maybe if God wills, after that another year, and another year, and the the race keeps going, we're called to endurance. We're called to perseverance. And Paul, again writing to Timothy, says. We want to finish the race. Paul, at the end of his life, would say, I have run the race, I have finished the course. The worst thing, if you're an athlete, the worst thing you can get after your name at the end of a race is DNF. Did not finish. Better to come in 100th than to to have DNF written at the end of your name. Didn't finish the race. We want to persevere. We want to finish uh, the race. Well, how do we do that? Finally, uh, seventh point here, seventh letters, verses two and three, Of chapter 12. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. It's exactly the same word used of Jesus there. He endured the cross. That's the same word as persevered. He persevered to to the end. So on the cross, Jesus, as he died, could say, it is finished. It is finished. There was no did not finish about Jesus. Jesus came uh, and died for us. He finished the task that that he came to to, to achieve. He drank the cup of God's wrath, which should have been ours. The task has been finished. Uh, The job had been done consider him, Paul says so that you won't grow weary and that, that word again, consider him it says, in my, my translation says consider him that is a Greek word again used nowhere else in the New Testament And it has a, it's like an accounting term or a mathematical term, it really means reckon up, add it all up in your mind think it through carefully no, it's not just you know, give him a, 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 cast, a you know, passing thought really look at Jesus look what he did, look what he went through look look what he did, consider him and then look at what you're facing look at what you might have to face this year look at the things that that, that may cause you trouble maybe difficult things you have to pass through make a careful assessment weigh up your hardships uh, against those which Jesus went through for, for us those which Jesus faced Helen Rosevere who used to live very near here, as you know, I was a missionary for many years in Zaire, and faced all sorts of hardships, went through some really difficult times in Zaire. And she said that every time she was tempted to ask the question, is it worth it? And there must have been times when she was tempted to ask that. She said she changed the question from, is it worth it, to is he worthy? And every time she said yes, the answer was yes. He, he was worthy uh, at times when she was struggling. We don't know how long our race is. We don't know what obstacles we will face. Uh, we don't know what we may have to deal with. Therefore, we need to fix our eyes in Jesus. Fix our eyes in Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. It's easy to lose heart, it's easy to, to grow weary. We need to keep the finishing line in mind and determine with God's help to, to get there to reach it. For the joy set before him, Jesus did the Jesus went to the cross for the joy set before him with, for all that he was facing. But he knew that what was set before him was after death to return to heaven to all the glory that he had known with God uh, from the beginning, from all eternity. Uh, and that was the joy set before him. And of seeing people won, seeing our sins forgiven, he was able to overlook what was going to come when he fixed his eyes on, on, on what was beyond that. Keep the prize in, in mind. Keep that in mind as you run in, in the race. Here's what Paul said writing uh, to the Corinthians, Second Corinthians uh, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, reading verses 16 to 18. He says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal. Very, very similar words to uh, to the words we just read read in Hebrews. It may be that when we're going through troubles, they don't seem at all light and momentary. They they may seem big and difficult, but in comparison with what's coming after, uh, it far outweighs them all. That's why Jesus, thinking of going to the cross, that's not an easy thought, but he could think of the joy that would follow and was able to persevere, was able uh, to endure the cross. Isaiah says, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Maybe that's what we need to do at the start of a New Year. We need to wait on the Lord to, to renew our strength. Because the race goes on, the challenges will come. Uh, we have a cunning enemy. We have a, a, a world which does throw difficulties at us uh, as Christians. And we need to draw near to God. Going full circle, right back to, to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 again. Let us draw near to God. Because those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. That's how we face a a, a year. We don't do it by by writing a list of resolutions, uh, things that won't last a week. We want to renew our commitment to persevere for the whole of our lives. So in a way, the new year is just another day. It's another day in our lives. It's another day towards that day where we will go uh, to win the prize. Uh, for which Christ has called us which, which he won uh, for us so as we come to a, a new year and as you think of your life and all, all, all that lies ahead which you, you and I have no idea about let's fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith let's uh, wait on God renew our strength and continue in that race to, to seek to serve him to live for him to glorify him whatever may happen in our world whatever may happen in our lives because we know that one day we will go to be with him uh, and that all the, all the troubles and all the pressure and all the issues will, will, will be passed. So what do we do Is we, we look at a new year? We fix our eyes in Jesus and we run with endurance with his help and with his strength and the power of the Holy Spirit in us so that our lives may honour him and glorify him uh, and in his will lead others to him. Let, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your commitment to us and thank you again for Jesus who faced the cross and went to the cross and endured the shame because he knew that it would achieve our salvation and would bring glory to you. And he knew that uh, that was worth persevering with. And Father, help us to persevere when things are difficult. Uh, Help us to persevere when we face opposition. Help us to persevere when we face personal trials and situations in our lives that we can't control. Help us to fix our eyes in Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, so we won't grow weary and lose heart. And we pray, Father, that our lives in the next year will continue to honor you and to glorify you and to point others to you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.